What up, what up? Welcome to episode 142 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. Oh man, Labor Day weekend is always so much fun because, you know, summer's a little wrapping up. We're getting into the fall, which is my favorite season of the year, but it's one part of the year that brings this great tradition every Labor Day weekend, and it is all out down in Chicago. AEW and my God, it was fun. I got a chance to go to it this year. I went down with Charlie, who is on an underwear modeling gig tonight. Uh, so I can give a little in-person talk, but we're actually good. I, I can't wait to hear what it was like, how it translated on TV. So that'll be great. Uh, we'll give our two cents on that and just uh, talk about some of the consequences that have been brought to AEW lately. Pretty big news. What does that have in store for the company and how was it handled the night of All Out? So I'm really excited to get down to it this evening. I'm sitting here with my boys, but one of them is not Steve Grobschmidt. He's pretty busy tonight. I think he's crafting his third novel. I, I mean, I don't blame him. Waste his time with us peasants when you could be uh, making book deals, eh, boys? Hey, unsolicited. I've been uh, I'm I'm partway through book number two of his and uh, the divided man. It's really, really good. It's a lot of a lot of action in this one. Um, great storyline. Um, he's I'm really proud of him, actually. Don't tell him that I said this, mm-hmm. but I am very proud of him. He's got two really good books. I love the audio version. Um, I kind of do a dual audio and read kind of at the same time. So it's pretty cool. So shameless plug for our friend, um, my good friend, my one of my best friends from literally kindergarten. We met at the same table in kindergarten, and we've been friends uh, ever since. So pretty 45 years. I don't like reading. And this book, well, these books, I should say, are phenomenal. Get them on Amazon. Get them as an audiobook, and as a paperback, and as a hardcover, whatever you like. It's worth it. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, I it's a lot of fun. Wow, Steve, if you're listening, make sure you don't show up to any more podcasts because I don't think you'll ever get a bigger tire pump ever <laughs> no chance. than that. I mean, no talk about not showing up for the show this evening and get a big double wrister. No, yeah. no chance I would have done this to his face. No chance. <laughs> That's all good. But yeah, we miss him. Well, anyway, you heard all the voices. Let's go down to uh, the Midwest. He's in Ohio. Yo, the man with the golden pipes. His name is Gary Williams. What up, Gary? We're leaving together, but still it's farewell. And maybe we'll come back to Earth. Who can tell? I guess there is no one to blame. We're leaving ground. Leaving ground. <laughs> things never be the same again. <laughs> It's the final countdown. Oh my gosh, you guys. Uh, there's a couple of things I gotta say about that Brian Danielson. First of all, I I cannot wait, Mike, to hear what it was like in that arena because this that is an arena rock tune. Like mm-hmm. every so I uh for the listeners, um, I did play college football back in the day and uh, when I played this, it was my generation. Europe was in my generation of songs. This was one of those pregame songs. And I, I mean, this is like my, this was my jam, but, oh, yeah. little, but one thing I will tell you, I did a little research on this song. So, um, Tony Khan has purchased the rights to use the song in perpetuity. Take a guess approximately. For 20 plays a year, approximately what the cost would have been. I've heard this somewhere, and it's some insane number. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but if I had to ballpark, I would say 500000 
it r- r- very good right in that range it, it, no. they said it's several hundreds of thousands for 20 plays a year and so oops sorry for 20 plays a year so that is insane but they were able to make a, a negotiation and they're able to use it now so they have the rights in perpetuity so they can now but Tony Khan stated, and I quote, the use of this song is as much as a wrestler's contract. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Well, it's a great But I move. think it's worth it's, it. Oh, man, it is such a power stroke. I mean, not only does that song kick ass. I mean, just look at the album cover of Europe. That thing is kick ass. If you've mm-hmm. ever seen the movie Hot Rod with Andy Samberg, <laughs> that's the yes. whole soundtrack is Europe. It is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and if you're an Arrested Development fan like me, Job uh, is the magician, mm. and that's like his intro music. And like, yeah. and I mean, there's just so much good feeling surrounding that song. Yeah. So when it is implemented, and I guess Charlie said it was his old Ring of Honor song too, which was really cool. I did not know that. I was like, oh, this is just a great move. Yeah. Brian Danielson did say something to the effect of like he hadn't heard it played much before you know since back then but now mm-hmm. it's been two pay-per-views oh. that they've used it i bet it was just what was it like live just please tell me what yeah. was it like in the in the crowd yeah i'll get you guys a little triple h right now i gotta say when they did play <laughs> europe um you know the whole song played and everybody is excited because this was a big match. I mean, the strap match, we'll get yeah. to it. So people were jazzed just for the match. But then when they saw Danielson come out, and I mean, it's not like his old music was bad or anything. That mm. song still slaps as it is. Yeah. But Europe, and as soon as it drops with, it's the final count. I mean, nobody did not sing that in that building. And it's in the United Center, the Madhouse. It was bumping. And then I couldn't even imagine. When Danielson won and they used it later after and people were pumped, then it was twice as loud oh. when they played it for the outro music. It was That's it was awesome. pretty awesome. It was an iconic moment for sure. Like I don't know how, even if you didn't know the song, but I it's hard to say that, you know, um, yeah, so obviously this week was the passing of a uh, very dear uh, artist for me, which was Jimmy Buffett. I've been to, I, I am uh, very much a parrot head. I've been to over 15 concerts across four states. So it was sad. And, you know, they talk about Jimmy Buffett being like a little bit of a, you know, for some people, he's a bit of a one hit wonder with Margaritaville. Uh, but that it's couldn't be further from the truth but regardless of it though when you hear that national anthem of margaritaville even if you're not a buffett fan you typically sing along i i think that europe's final countdown is in the same vein like you may not know anything about europe you may never have been born at that time but when that song is pumping it's hard not to want to sing along to it Mm -hmm. i hear that well and yeah Rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett, the only man that really made relaxation and enterprise. Hats off to oh, him. Nobody's yeah. ever going to do it better than him. Nope. So let's get over to our buddy over in Bayview. He likes to keep it freshly squeezed, and he's been taking a lot of big bumps this year. His name is Matt Michelson. What up, Matt? Do-do-do-do-do. Come on, guys. Lana's music? Oh, oh, dude. It sounded like a Nintendo song. I know. It, it yeah, I did. thought you were doing Super Mario Brothers for a second there. No, no, no. I had to kind of go back uh, through Peacock to remember what this one was like. Yeah, we, we saw the debut of <laughs> Lana at All Out this past weekend, uh, saving Miro from Powerhouse or Will Hobbs, whatever name he's going by now, which was pretty a pretty cool spot. Um, now, I will say, I, I say all these things. Admittedly, I didn't actually see it live. I haven't even watched all of All Out, but I'll tell you who has. Mike, you've said multiple times now you're lucky enough to be there in person. You just shared a great story with us. Gary, you watched it live on TV. I haven't even seen it. So I would love to hear from both you guys. 
what the show mm-hmm. was like. Mike, I know you already told us a little bit about the final countdown. Walk us through the night. And I know we've done this for past all outs. Like, I, I guess, where did things start and how did the evening transpire? Okay. So if you go back and listen to our past episodes of All Out Weekend, it is fun. I mean, I do feel very blessed as an individual where we reside so close. Like I said, it's the perfect weekend. You got Friday, Saturday to chill. Then you go hard on Sunday for All Out. And then you have Monday to chill afterwards. You get one of the greatest wrestling shows just 80 miles away from your front doorstep, boys. It is so fucking clutch. I am Mm -hmm. so lucky. I went to the first one. I went to the first All In. Go back and listen to that episode where we talk about it. And then every All Out since. I mean, the only All Out that I missed was the pandemic year when nobody was allowed to go. And that one sucked anyway, so no big deal. But anyway, um, this this is I mean, I'm just so grateful. I thank my wife so much for allowing me to go. And I've been working so hard this year on a big project. So I was like, you know, this would be a really nice treat to myself. So I got a rush ticket for 55 bucks on the second level. Nice. And it's it's in the United Center, boys. So this is the this is the biggest thing that resonated with me. Okay, I just said I was under kind of like a lot of stress for uh work and i'm planning and i'm thinking and Mm -hmm. blah 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 but having this event at the united center made it so fucking simple no line (laughs) waiting in no line in the bathrooms Mm. all concession stands no line just bigger because when it was at the now arena Mm -hmm. yeah it it was a smaller venue and it had that house show feel when you have these world-class athletes in the middle of BF Nowhere, Schaumburg, Illinois. No offense to Schaumburg, but BF Nowhere, let's be honest. And then you have these world-class stars wrestle there and put on these matches. That's when you felt like it was mm-hmm. something special. But that's what got AEW to where it is today. They had to pay their dues, and 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 like they were so smart to graduate it when they did to the United Center because... They just sold out fucking Wembley. If you went to the now arena, why would you leave money on the table and not go to the United Center? I mean, it it can hold more people. The logistics are so much smoother. It was such a seamless fan experience. But the trade-off is because it is bigger, you don't feel like you're on top of the action like Mm -hmm. it used to be. But we'll get Mm -hmm. to the matches. We got to talk about the ride down there. So that's half (laughs) the fun. We got to... We always have to hook up with Charlie, another dude that has been to every single All Out also. So me and him have got like this thing. And I haven't seen Charlie as much because he's got the underwear modeling gigs. Uh, Been busy, you know, now that I'm a new dad, I can't kick it as much as I used to. Or or maybe I don't want to. I don't know. But um, yeah, it was just so good to kick it with him. We went down with our buddy Scott who works at Yuli's Cigar Shop who is a very intelligent wrestling fan and all around really really nice guy too. So not a piece mm. of shit in the bunch which makes it for a nice trip. So yeah. you got a little way down to catch up. We stop at the dispensary of course. You got to pick up your recreationals. Hit up the Labor Day deals. Found some good stuff and uh, then it's so we learned this from last year. You stop at a food spot, right? You don't want to buy anything in the venue because you don't want to spend overpriced or spend on overpriced food and miss matches. Get the food before and tailgate. So um, that's what you do. You get a nice, warm, Chicago, authentic meal in you before you go. And then what do you do, boys? You pack a cooler. You buy a cold sub for the way home because after you watch <laughs> five or six hours of wrestling, you're going to be hungry. So Amen. I can't I can't emphasize this enough. Pay for the double sandwich at whatever spot you do. So do some good reconnaissance. Where can you get a good hot sandwich and get a good mm. cold sandwich? And Charlie came up big, baby. He found the best of Philly or Philly's best. Oh. It's called Philly's best. Have you heard yes. of this, Gary? I definitely have because because my wife's family is all from Philly and we mm. love authentic cheesesteaks and mm. those. Oh, so I have. So you know where I'm going place. with this. You totally okay. know where you're going. Okay. So this place is fucking awesome. 
But um, Charlie, who's really great at doing research, he's on his phone. He's always wants to know the insides and outs, which he, which is just a really great thing to have in this group for this type of event. He found this place because he's like, <laughs> I watch these guys on YouTube and they like go buy food and get high and they and they eat it in their car and then review it. And I'm like, okay. And he actually <laughs> watches these videos, so that's how he found it. So I mean, this place looks like really awesome. It's only like. 25 minutes from the United Center, which is really only 4.5 miles, but downtown Chicago, that's how long it would take. Um, but there's so much cool stuff on this street where this Philly's best place is, too. So it's cool to see the city. I got the Philly cheesesteak, and I got to say, it was very good. And Charlie did say, yep, tastes just like Philly. This is it. Like, <laughs> like not wrong. I mean, it was amazing. I've never been to Philadelphia and had a, like that's, a real cheesesteak. That's then, good um, shit. Yep. Got the seasoned fries. So, yeah, we found parking probably 0.5 miles away from the United Center for 20 bucks. You know, mm. Scott bought me my cold sub for the way home. Charlie paid for the parking. I drove us down. Seamless shit, right? I mean, it's half hour to six o'clock. We finish our, our cheesesteak. We, you know, partake in whatever we picked up at the dispo and uh, we go to, we get in there. So mm. Charlie and Scott are actually sitting uh, somewhere else, but we're on the same level, the 200 level, the club mm. level at that. And um, I had my own place. I was looking at the ring. I was in, um, I don't know, row eight, but every person is in my row and they're kind of big guys. So I'm like, okay, I'm in it for the long haul here. No problem. I'll get one beer and pace this out. Charlie's like, Mike, there's two seats over here. Come over. I'm like, okay, I'll finish my beer. Um, I'll see if it's open after the third match. I go over by him so I get to sit with my buddies. Yeah. So, I mean, another thing that could never happen if AEW didn't move it to the United States. There's no way that no. that would happen. So... I mean, fuck yeah. I'm living large right now. So yeah, after uh I watched the pre the pre-show and then yeah, MJF Adam Cole came out. Amazing match, right? MJF was selling the back of the head the whole match mm -hmm. after he came back out after being injured. That was so cool. Got over there. But yeah, then got to got to sit with my buddies after mm -hmm. seeing a couple matches. So I was into it. I'm really gotta say. I am very happy as much as I'll miss the now arena for that small town house show feel. I'm happy that AEW is graduating it to the United center because it is fucking cool. I love seeing the graphics on the huge jumbotrons that they have that are state of the art. I, I just, you know, I'm close to 40 years old now. I want the comfort. The seats are bigger <laughs> and the fans are still as interesting and crazy. That was the fun part of this weekend, too. It was almost like Comic-Con for wrestling, but mm -hmm. wrestling is Comic-Con already. It's just not defined. People dress up. People cheer for who they love. It's You're in a niche. You're in a, you're in a, a following, a subculture in itself, and this is the mecca of that subculture, and we're very lucky to be so close to it. All Out is one of those pay-per-views that if you haven't seen it, you got to see it live. You got to see it in person. Admittedly, and I think a lot of fans agree with this, the build to it was not the best of all the pay-per-views. Mm -hmm. Granted, they're coming a week off of doing all in at Wembley Stadium. I think we can give them a pass as fans. But, but Mike, before we move on to the main card, one question I did have for you when you were experiencing it live. So you guys drive down, you get Philly cheesesteaks at this place. But I think it was on last year's All Out Review when you and Charlie went down. You guys, didn't you stop at like a Mexican joint somewhere? Uh, no, that was for CM Punk's debut, and we ah. did roll past it. Go back and listen to that episode. It's actually yeah. our most listened to episode, actually, when I check the stats of our podcast. Um, the Return of CM Punk. Go check it out. It's like Sabino or something like Mexican, but it's on the same street as Philly's Best, mm. and we passed it. But last year at All Out, we stopped at a Greek restaurant. Uh, and got a gyro, and I got a falafel sandwich on the way home, which inspired me to get the cold sandwich for every year after this because it's right next to the dispo. It's amazing. So cool. 
Well, okay. So all that being said, yeah, why don't we talk about the main card a little bit? And again, I haven't seen the show. I've heard things, but I really want to hear it from my guys firsthand right here. So Mike, I know you just mentioned MJF Adam Cole was the opening match at, I guess, beyond selling the neck. I guess, was there anything in this match or any moments live, especially that stood out to you? Well, it's all about, I mean, okay. This was the first time I did not buy any merch either. But the biggest t-shirt that I did see around the United Center was I'm better than you, Bebe, or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And then it was double clothesline on the back. And then it was 23 for Michael Jordan. And it's the year 23 of All Out. That would have been a good shirt to actually buy. But honestly, like I said, Matt, like you you nailed it. There was no build up to this all out basically because it was all about Wembley and rightfully so it's fine. These rabid fans on this weekend where it all started, they will always be there. It doesn't fucking matter. You can roll that ball out. You can roll whatever card we want out. We're coming down and we're going to have a great time. And it was, I mean, it still was a great, great show, but there was no like, Oh, like buzz, like major, major buzz. And you could feel that. And because it was a bigger arena, you felt a little more disconnected to your brethren. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so, I think so. That makes sense. Um, Yeah, it's funny, too, because like some of the other podcasts I've listened to, you know, they do talk about how despite the lack of a build that this pay-per-view did feel like old school AEW in some way. Um. And so it's interesting to hear you say that, Gary, I guess, you know, you said you had watched it live on TV. What, what was your take? Mm-hmm. Did you get the vibe that it was like old school AEW? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you on that. And, and, I, and I think that I, I but I do. It was a little hard for me, I will admit, uh, when I first when Steve and I talked about whether or not each of us was going to get it or not. And I, I was just like, gosh, I just what? don't know. That was a conversation. <laughs> it was a conversation because bastards. Uh, uh, you know, I'm just being, a, I'm just playing the game. Let's be real. Like I, I really wasn't <laughs> that excited about some of the things that I was, that were on the card, but you know, Steve reminded me that he's like, have you ever seen an AEW pay-per-view and not walked away and been like, okay, that was pretty good. Hmm. And I, and that's where I came with this, this show as well. I think, you know, despite the fact that there wasn't a lot of build, it was an interesting way for them to introduce matches that at at a pay-per-view that actually will lead to other matches down the road, which was not something most pay-per-views do. Most pay-per-views, you know, these are the builds and they end. Whereas in this one, it felt like there were a few of those pieces, but the vast majority of the pieces of the puzzle have now are going to continue into the future. This is what this show always serves at. I have said this for years. It closes stories and it sets up stories for the whole entire year and this in this show did not disappoint on that the big hitters the sleepers of the mat uh, of this card where you see Miro and Hobbs be Mm -hmm. like this is just like a, a fourth slot match but it was probably the most fun match for fans to really like get into Mm -hmm. like you knew that like these are two big men in the ring and like somehow a meat chant started <laughs> happening, like slap that meat, slap that meat, slap that meat. And then it just continued throughout the whole match. When will you ever see a match where uh, the United Center, everybody in the United Center is hanging on your every flick of your wrist to the other man's chest, meaty chest at that punch, kick. Everyone was like, meat, meat, meat. Like, it was crazy. It was like house show shit. It's like what fans have to do to make house shows fun. It was Mm -hmm. crazy. I've never seen that before in my life. I'll never forget it either because this is where the Blackhawks play. This is where Michael Jordan won many rings. There's a lot of history in that building. And... Now AEW is like taking up residency there. They're not going to go back to the now arena. Like they're there. And after um, CM Punk, 
basically put a dark cloud on AEW's biggest benchmark in its company's existence thus far. Like this, this show could have been a, a flaming hot mess, but they handled it so well. Tony didn't come out. Usually Tony comes out in the beginning before the cameras go on and be like, Oh my God, I can't thank you guys enough. You guys are the best. And AEW would be nothing without you. Like address the fans like that. He pumps their tires hard. He did not do that. Smart hmm. move. Very yeah, smart I move. I wouldn't come because, out if I were him either. Because when it came to the young bucks and you probably saw this on TV, Gary, when the Young Bucks came out, because they're on that disciplinary committee, um, a lot of fans turned against the Young Bucks, mm-hmm. even though they were supposed to be the faces in a very obvious babyface heel role where um, Bullet Club Gold is mm-hmm. the heels and FTR and the Young Bucks are the obvious baby faces. People were fucking flicking off the Young Bucks <laughs> all around the arena. Everyone, like, not everyone. Um, I would say uh, 38% of the people at ringside were flicking off the Young Bucks, the OGs of AEW, like like yelling at them. And as soon as one of the Jacksons got tagged in, people lost their shit. And they've been Mm. waiting for it because there wasn't any like, fuck Young Bucks, fuck Young Bucks, like in the parking lot or in the line in there. That see, that's what was that is what the show was missing was that you know long line where we had to in each, entertain each other and pump each other up as we got into the arena. That there was none of that, which is sometimes some of the most fun. But as soon as the young bucks hit the mat, it came out. So then it became a big surprise for the entire arena. So that was that was pretty cool. But the young bucks. They kind of embrace it. It's like they're such pros. It's like, oh, you want us to be the heels? We'll be the heels. Let's go. Let's do it. They throw whatever you want at us. Do you see that, Matt? I I didn't, but I'm not surprised to hear you say it because so at the time I wasn't able to watch live. I did happen to notice though, it I follow some really weird Facebook pages, turns out, and one of them is just random photos of different fans posting. It may have just been the hashtag for all out. Who knows? I'm terrible with Facebook nowadays, but I did see a handful of photos of people wearing CM Punk t-shirts, just so pissed that he was let go by Tony Khan. And I I know we're talking about the pay-per-view, but I feel like we should take a minute to address the elephant in the room, which is CM Punk. You know, he gets let go, what, 24 hours before this show hits Mm -hmm. in Chicago? That is a bold move on Tony Khan's part. Now, I've heard a lot of stories about should he have done it, period. Like, let CM Punk go. Should he have kept him around? Uh, Frankly, I, I think he made a really tough decision. I don't know if it was the right call. I think, you know, if you take all the factors into account... It probably is the right call from a business perspective because we've talked about this on the group text for quite a while now. CM Punk has really been the common denominator in a lot of just downward spirals of AEW storylines, booking, and just the overall vibe of the show. He does bring a lot of great things to it. And the guy is a phenomenal wrestler. All his stories have been gold. But I think all of the fallout that happens around him just, you know, it, The benefits don't outweigh the costs, right? So I think Tony finally recognized that he had he had to let him go just based on everything that had happened. My hope is that AEW is better off for it. And yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll just have to see where it goes. Matt, I'm glad you brought that up because being in the United Center, this should have been CM Punk's show. Like CM Punk is what got AEW into the United Center. He's Chicago's most loved wrestler. And he took AEW to the United Center. That's where he made his debut because other venues weren't big enough. Like, he was the draw to get him there. And I was there at CM Punk's debut, and it was basically sold out. This all-out show, it was not sold out because the buzz did not generate all the heat to sell all the tickets. But what CM Punk did was open the door 
for AEW to come into that building. And that is what this company needs is to get into that building. Even Vince had to get the door open for him into the Madison Square Garden. Vince Sr., I mean, like somebody had to open that door. CM Punk was that conduit to provide the opportunity because, yeah, you could say, oh, well, Tony Khan, like the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium, his dad owns that building. Like he basically had an arena to practice with and get this fine-tuned. It was almost like we saw it on TV, a man create a wrestling federation in real time with a roster of indie guys and get it tuned up to where he could bring it into a mega venue like the United Center. So that's what CM Punk did, and this was probably Tony Khan's biggest decision that he's ever made, and we saw him cut CM Punk, Chicago's most beloved wrestler, from the roster. I mean, this is how historic this show was, too. So I can't, I I mean, it was amazing. I mean, you didn't see a lot of people turning on Tony Khan at all, either. I would say it was 75% in support, which is fucking crazy, right, boys? In Chicago? Yeah, I, I would... T- I would totally agree with you uh, in, in that regard. That is crazy. I mean, I, I'm curious a little bit, you know, speaking of Chicago and backing up a little bit, the reaction for Rodman, uh, there was a lot of chatter on uh, the on Conrad and Jeff Jarrett's uh, My World podcast about uh, some collaborations that Jarrett, because Jarrett actually is very close with Rodman um, mm. and it, uh, there was actually some conversations about whether or not Dennis Rodman deserved to eventually be in the Chicago Bulls Hall of Fame, even uh, while they were having some discussions there. And I I would be one to tell you he should definitely does. But uh, I'm curious, um, Mike, a little bit. I'm curious, did how the crowd reaction was for Robin. This, of course, was night two of him appearing. But um, do you recall anything specific from there? Um, I think that was still on the pre-show, wasn't it? It was. So that's that probably makes it difficult to some degree. But he was on Collision the night before, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yes, it he was, came out. It was cool. I mean, it definitely was. Like they played the Bulls song with Sanjay well, Sa- Sutt, like doing yeah. the thing, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. I mean, he did a great job with that, and oh. it was a comedy. It was a comedy match, but uh, but Dude. I do think you know. Okay, so there's a thing to Rodman, man, and I'm not from Chicago, so I can't I can't like stroke him the way that some people could stroke him. But that guy is iconic, and it's almost like having Snoop Dogg come out. Like in Long Beach, where Snoop Dogg is from. Yep. If you want to be gangster, you you take Rodzilla in Chicago in the United Center, where he won all those rings, where yep. he was bad as he wants to be, which he was, and nobody will ever be badder. Like he's the baddest motherfucker on the planet. But I mean, it was you know he's just there. He was just kind of hanging out. He's just aging, too. Like, yeah. you know how Mike Tyson was like a huge thing in the beginning hmm. and Rodzilla was a huge thing in the beginning in WCW. Now they're a little older. They're still like, yeah, like I'm using my name to collect as much as I can before I kick the bucket. There wasn't, but there was fans in the seats that were wearing the Dennis Rodman jerseys and like mm-hmm. super pumped about it, which was great to see. And like I said, I'm I'm all for it. He is he is a great like iconic Chicago figure and I want him to get that bag. So I'm glad Tony Khan actually paid him that bag. It's more it's money better spent on him than CM Punk, I would say. If you're looking yeah, for a and, Chicago icon. And I guess uh to kind of put a bow on the CM Punk thing. I'm in total agreement with both of you. I do think he had his time and place and it was necessary to help them uh, with gaining some real street credibility outside of the wrestling world. 
um, and inside the wrestling world, but mainly mainstream type uh, type awareness of the product. But it's uh, Vince McMahon once was quoted as saying, Brett screwed Brett. Um, and I think that CM Punk screwed CM Punk. Mm-hmm. A- end of story. And I think that percent. I think that he he took some have his own emotion, his immaturity, his lack of self awareness, lack of self esteem out on other people there for far too long. And I think you know here, and this is the beauty I think of where. Tony Khan is versus where other people are. I think we talk all the time about, you know, what, you know, we used to in athletics when I was in as an athletic director, um, we used to talk to coaches all the time. Like, well, what if your best player was late for, you know, training table the day before the game and, you know, and you've got the, the, you know, the coaches are like, Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Everybody gets treated the same. He's out. And then there's others that are like, I, I'm not touching that. Like he's going to play type of thing. But Tony Khan has what I used to, I used to call it. Fuck you money. Like I have enough of it where if I don't like what's going on, I'm just going to walk away. And Tony Khan's got that. And, and part of what he did was invested in this roster that is so deep that punk is gone. And who gets inserted? Brian Danielson, Brian freaking Danielson basically Mm -hmm. just walks right in the place goes bonkers and who who does he wrestle though uh tony stark ricky stark ricky Ricky. starks not tony sorry ricky starks that's who he invested in too he has the big names and then he has guys who haven't made their name yet it's the perfect balance and you want to talk about a banger of a match i i couldn't believe i mean there were the that match was awesome. And and uh, I listened to the media scrum after all, all out. And Brian Danielson was like, listen, like Ricky Starks, he drove the bus on this match. You know, yeah, Brian Danielson flat out said like, hey, that, that dude was I let him run and call the match. And he's like, he is legit. What a vote of confidence for Ricky Starks to hear that from Brian Danielson. Mother fucking A is all I got to say after you said that, Gary, because that translated on TV. I'm happy to hear mm-hmm. that. It translated in the seats. I've never felt as sorry for a person. Maybe it was Terry Funk I felt more sorry for. Uh, I've been how saying hard it the were past those couple slaps? episodes. Buddy, hard. Uh, I've seen Django Unchained a couple times, and it was yeah. like, it was brutal absolutely brutal. brutal and the problem with that strap was it's like if you hit a person square like flat it's gonna mm-hmm. hurt but if like you know how they like kind of balled it up a little bit oh, and yeah. just like beat them kind of like a mace like the the thing is like almost seven eighths thick mm-hmm. so even if the edge hits above your eyebrow it's gonna split you open and it's gonna hurt it's almost like bare knuckle fighting and i it's not like i was ringside but i was i could feel the pain where i was sitting i don't even want to know what that match looked like like two three rows ringside because (laughs) it would have been probably three times as brutal as what i'm trying to describe but tony or uh, Fuck me. Ricky Starks definitely has earned his stripes in this one. If he hasn't already. Um, I know Brian Danielson is one of his idols and he should be. And Ricky's got a big, big, bright future, but he needed this in his resume. Uh, Nobody is ever going to take it away. He delivered. I'm glad to hear he drove the bus on it too. That's fucking awesome. I've heard this. Uh, just in the past day or two since pay-per-view was on, I've heard this same story everywhere I've looked. And before I even give you my thoughts on this and what I've heard so far, I, Tony Stark would be a phenomenal match to see uh, Iron Man versus anybody. I'll take it. But I think Ricky match, would win though. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, man, I, I haven't seen all the Avengers movies, so I don't really know how it plays out. But that aside, 
if I were to go back and watch any match on the AEW All Out card, this is the match because you guys know I'm a ghoul when it comes to this kind of like just brutality. Sick I've, puppy. Yeah, I know. And, and I've heard from multiple sources that despite that, or maybe because of that, this match was like a five-star match by pretty much anybody's standards. And Gary, to your point, it's crazy because Punk's out, Danielson's in, there's no build. There's no reason for these two to hate each other or stoop to this level of brutality, but they do it and they make it work, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And on past episodes of the podcast, I believe I voiced the opinion that people want to get behind Ricky Starks, but I think there's something missing and, or at least there has been up to this point. And Mike, you just said it, this from the sound of it took him up to that next level. And I've heard the Mm -hmm. same thing from other people too. I really hope that's the case. And again, that's partly why I want to go back and watch it because I want to see Ricky Starks get to that next level. I want to be behind him. It's, it's the story everybody's waiting for. And I really hope we're there with it. I mean, over the course of the night, there were three or four wrestlers in particular that I thought really gave their bodies up for the, for the, for the greater good. Uh, I thought Darby Allen got, brutalized like he he always does but in this that night he you know in all out he really took a lot a lot a lot a lot of punishment he doesn't feel any pain i've come to the conclusion I, he and i've seen him wrestle live it's got a something. couple times i don't think the guy feels pain in the same way a normal feel a normal person feels pain because if we all did it, then we, if we all had what Darby Allen had, we'd all be wrestlers. He literally yeah. has the perfect DNA for the business that he's in, but he's not a big guy, which is, which yeah. is opposite of what his business should be. That's, that's what makes Darby Allen unbelievable. Like yeah. the, he, well, that that drop on the top of the coffin. I mean, that is insane. That from I don't think he feels in. pain, he, buddy. He not, I, you might be right. Uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing stuff that the cameras don't pick up. I think yeah. he just like knows how to position his body. Like when he gets thrown out, he's outside of the ring. He gets thrown into the guardrail, and mm-hmm. he like flips his body. 180 degrees from ass over tea kettle, right? He puts his shoulder down and it would hurt a normal person, but he's like, no, the shoulder's good. Like, I don't feel anything there. And I think if I position my neck and my shoulder in this perfect, like, protractor measurement way, it's going to look great and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get hurt. Like, the dude has mastered the science of not getting hurt. And I think we need to stop worrying. Sorry. No, sorry, Mike. I was just going to add something to consider with Darby Allen too, is he's a skateboarder by trade. And I don't know if you guys have ever skateboarded. I did in high school and man, you fall one time on a skateboard and either you're done skateboarding for the rest of your life, or Mm -hmm. you have a whole new understanding of what it's like to fall on concrete and you learn how to deal with it. I'm one of those people who I just kind of gave up skateboarding, but in Darby Allen's case, he got really good at it. And I think one of the benefits that he's brought to pro wrestling is the understanding and the ability to know how, like, okay, I'm going to eat shit. What's the best way I can do this? And keep in mind before getting into a wrestling ring, he's learned how to do this on concrete. A wrestling ring is not soft. We've heard this, but at the same time, it's a lot softer than concrete or at least a lot more forgiving. So I think between those two things, Darby's kind of dialed in this perfect recipe for making the most painful mm-hmm. things probably still be painful, but deal with them in a completely different way than most other wrestlers. He, and to add what you said, Matt, the, he has the perseverance to keep getting better as a wrestler and a performer. And we've seen him as an original roster member come all this way. I mean, do you remember when this guy used to throw himself down a set of concrete stairs and we're like, that's it for Darby Allen. Oh he's done. And then he's done like yeah. 50,000 other brutal takes in the two year span since that. If he's, only the past versions of us 
or the future versions of us could go to the past versions of us and be like, huh, yeah, okay, just wait. Hey, go yeah. back to our archive. That we started recording this podcast at the beginning of AEW. This is why we did it. I was like, I think we need to pay attention to this. And yeah, we were right. I'm not saying we're a good podcast or a great podcast, but we knew that there was something there and something to pay attention to. And those guys just walked through the door of the United Center and put on a great show and sold out Wembley Arena. So pretty good shit, eh? Very good. Really good. I, I would also, I, I would say, you know, concerning the card, the other guy that kind of really comes to mind is Orange Cassidy. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I have been uh, uh, harsh towards him at times, but he, he has had a magical run and really it became a main eventer um, and deserved so- Therefore, Gary, would you say he's magic instead of having a magical run? Would you say he's magic now that you just said that he's a main eventer? I would. He's magic? Magic. I think he's magic too. Like, AEW got it right. And you know where AEW or debuted Orange Cassidy? At the second All Out. I was there. Oh, yeah. That's he right. He debuted at the second All Out, and then he main evented All Out, and he dropped his awesome title that he's been carrying mm-hmm. for a long time and had some big-ass bumps, and that was fucking A. That's good booking, in the words of our good friend, yep. Charlie Michael. But there's a lot of there's a lot to be said about the about what Tony Khan has created, and in probably even more to be said about what the last six to eight months, especially in the, in AEW. And this is, this is really, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that there are a lot, even if I think back to a lot of wrestling from my era in the eighties, there aren't a lot of groups that could have pulled off a pay-per-view one week apart from each other, the way they did. And basically, bring together one huge event and then come back with another event with another cast of characters, some overlaps, but not many overlaps and another group that really brought it to brought it. And, and I think that, and when Nolan just, Ryan, basically your Nolan Ryan or your who, or the Kerry woods or the Mark, Mark Pryor or whatever, yeah. like your ace in the hole gets fired. Yeah. No, in I the mean, town. You're, you're you're all of those factors and and it, it, the brilliance of kind of what's going on. I, I just think if the WWE lost any one of those couple guys that are at the top, they do not have the flexibility to maneuver the way AEW does. And within a matter of a day, two days, three days, you, you name it, all of a sudden, next thing you know, people, these not it, not just pawns on a chess board but knights and kings and queens mm. and rooks are getting thrown into a chess board and and it's pretty i mean even just Fucking thinking a. about even just thinking about the samoa joe match right like at some level right samoa joe i mean how many of these guys just go down the card first match you got mjf adam cole then you had samoa joe uh, you've seen Darby Allen in main events. I've seen Miro in main events. Um, Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho have been in main events. Uh, Danielson has been in a main event. Kingston, uh, Shibata, Cesaro. I mean, all these guys. I'm just going down the card, and I'm like, any one of those guys has been in main events and pay-per-views during their career so just think of how stacked these guys are and how it's actually really gelling and coming together a thousand percent and you know who is coming up big we talked about how ricky starks got a big bump from that danielson match but i can't overstate this enough one of the most interesting matches of the night it was in the main event i love that we wrapped up the moxley and Orange Cassidy story that was beautiful. It was a fucking great moment. 
but the match before that, or maybe two matches before that, when FTR and the Young Bucks teamed up yeah. against the Bullet Club Gold, Juice Robinson is so over over. It is insane. But also the guns. Yep. This was their time to shine. They knew who they were working with. You're like, oh, you mean to tell me you, I'm working with Jay White and the Young Bucks and FTR? Yeah. I'm Billy Gunn's son. I'm in the United Center and I'm second to last match. And um, okay. We have this great wardrobe. We have this great song. Mm -hmm. We have this big venue. We have this big moment. You're letting us work with these guys. Are we going to seize this opportunity? By God, those guys seize that opportunity. Those guys sold better than anything I've ever seen in my entire life because they knew their role. They weren't the ones that were going to like do the big high spots because everybody wants to see FTR do what they do. Young bucks do what they do. Jay white to do what they do. Everybody cheers for juice. Anytime he does something, there's the huge like juice chant throughout the United center, but the gungs were the unsung heroes in this match. And I've said it before and I hope they're not going to turn out like Michael Wardlow because I I don't want to mush them, but the guns are going to be mega superstars in like a year and a half. They are You're fucking right. unbelievable. Yeah, They're so good. Was... It was a wild west. I just don't it know. Was. I can't crump a hand when who jumps in when does like when you work with those guys. Like, when do you know what to do? I don't know how, what the coaching was. I'm not behind the curtain. We're That's like where our podcast lasts. We're not in the business. But the feedback is this. What we see is uncomprehensible and the and the guns actually achieved the impossible they made that match what it was i think they were the unsung heroes yeah the the bucks have perfected the art of crazy cocaine fueled eight-man tags over the years and it's funny because anytime they're not tag team champions i feel like these are the kinds of matches that they thrive in where Mm -hmm. the more guys you put in the ring the better and there's definitely an art to it and you know even as fans you can see on tv like if you see guys standing outside the ring kind of acting like they're hurt just waiting for the chance to jump in there's there's usually a plan in place right so i anytime i see a match like this on the card it it never ceases to blow my mind so mike i totally get what you're saying it's it's kind of scary because you almost kind of expect this from the Bucks at this point, though. But the fact mm-hmm. that you were able to see it live, man, dude, I'm jealous because two of the best tag teams of all time on the same team together. Meanwhile, across the ring, you have friggin' and they lost, and who a year ago was like the equivalent of a wet fart in AEW, and now he's you know in the semi-main event. Unreal, yeah, Gary. Like you said, I mean, they can just take anybody and make them a main yep. event caliber star. And we're starting to see that now. My hope is that they leverage that, book it right, as Charlie would say if he were here, and we get another year of great storytelling out of us. Book it yeah. right! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think this was a great show, and it, it really is just springboarding a lot of really cool opportunities going forward, storylines. Uh, we still have the lingering MJF Adam Cole saga going on, and you, you know Jericho's situation still going on, which I think is still a pretty compelling story. And so, you know, just a lot of really good stuff going on. And I'm just, uh, I'm hey. glad that this card was went over as well as it did live, as well as it did to me over the television. Uh, and hey. I'm just really excited to be a fan. Hey. We didn't get to one point tonight, and that's Don Callis. Oh. oh, yeah. What was that like live? Oh. What was that like live? What was it like, um, you know, having some of the best sex of your life? It's uh, <laughs> a very personal question. That's what I compare it to. Don Callis is so over, it's not even funny. He is awesome with, um, mm. what's his name? I don't know, Mike. What is his name? I don't know, Mike. What is his name? <laughs> Takesta? I th- you know what? I'll give it a pass. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, good. That's how you're getting there. Takeshta? Yeah. How do you say Dikeshta. it? Takeshta. 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 God damn it. But no, 
Kenny Omega and the Takeshita match was, oh, that was awesome. It was Takeshita awesome. That stud. match was unreal. Yeah, Takeshita is a stud. He's and a Kenny stud. Omega had to help him get there. And yeah. Tony Khan to break up Kenny Omega and Don Callis and put Don Callis on Takeshita to have him face Kenny Omega, his old guy. That's brilliant shit. Mm-hmm. For yeah. real, for real. Because Takeshita is a fucking Clydesdale. He has that weird thing on his nose. But aside from that, <laughs> he's a stallion. Mike's always been a guy for, and a Clydesdale. for, the, for the bodies and the gear and all that. For the details. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would agree with you uh, on a lot of things about Don Callis right now. He is a great character. He's got a great character going on generating some significant heat uh but i i have to be i have to be honest and say he's still only number two because number one prince nana i'm (laughs) sad did not win did not win the the twenty five thousand dollars for his charity the mogul embassy enterprises (laughs) his own charity I think it was fifty grand in the money in the it bank, was. and it was dedicated to uh, public schools in Chicago. Hanger. It was. It was because of a hangman on a page. But had Prince Nana won it, uh, I don't know if you were able to catch this uh, when you were there live. But on television, they did a vignette, and Prince Nana uh, assured everyone that he would have that uh, money donated to his own charity, Mogul, <laughs> the Mogul Enterprises Corporation. So, and he would, and he would probably take it. Yeah, he would probably flip it as some kind of. <laughs> income and then uh donate oh it, it was it was pretty clear it was pretty clear it was his own it was it was a it was hilarious uh a, a great a great vignette to start but all in all i would say you know you guys uh i don't know where you're at with your grades on this one but this is definitely b plus a minus for me this this card which um honestly i was going in c plus b minus and uh, it rose beyond my expectations. I went into this, and again, still need to watch all of it. But if you go back and listen to last week's show, we were calling this Ring of Honor Presents All Out. And that should tell you everything you need to know about where we thought this was going to fall yeah. on the scale. But based on Gary, Mike, what you guys have said, you know, we got to grade this on a little bit of a curve. I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give it an A- minus for now. I'm going to watch a couple matches, probably won't change things. It might bump it up to an A for me. But again, that's on a curve given, you know, Wembley and all the circumstances as of late. All right, boys. Well, I'm going to take all of your grades into consideration right now. And I will say. I'm going to give this an A minus because of the lack of buildup and the compensation for the drama that occurred everybody on this roster pulled the rope to make this show what it was i think everybody on the roster front to back stepped up and pulled their weight and they were exhausted they traveled across the pond and then into foreign territory which is not their home cm punk is the only asshole that caused drama across the pond and then could travel to his home and actually sleep in a bed. And he's the guy that got fucking canned. That should tell you everything you need to know right there. Mm -hmm. So fuck him. And um, I will give this an A minus. And you know what? I'm going to give it an A because the roast beef sandwich that I got from Philly, best of (laughs) Philly on the way home saved my life. I got home at one o'clock in the morning, uh, Monday morning. It was Sunday night. I got home at 1 a.m. and I was full. I did not reach into the fridge for, you know, any anything. Make a lot of noise. Baby slept. It was a seamless fucking night, boys. Got that solo ticket for 55. And that should be a lesson for all of you. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, who booked yourself for your anniversary on um, this weekend, 
I mean, we might have to take Becky every year this <laughs> from here on out. So you're going to have to buy two tickets. Gary, I want to see your ass up here. I'm in. I want to see your ass up Let's here. It. it is the best weekend ever to go to all yep. out Labor Day weekend at the United Center. It is so simple. We are so lucky to be so close to it. So pretty much basically the only thing left to say is this. What's that? What are, what are, what's left to say? What else could there possibly be? Man, I'm so glad you asked. It is stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Oh, Triple H. Woo! Woo!